Welcome to Their Very Best, a podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications. I'm Bill Noto. And I'm Waldron Faulkner. Thanks for joining us for wild, unsolicited opinions about Nirvana. And we have a special guest host today, my son, August Faulkner. Hello, Augs. Hello. Welcome, August. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so excited to hear what you have to share, August. Yeah, Nirvana is definitely a really all-time band for a lot of people, including myself. Rock is one of my favorite categories of music, and then it has a touch of metal with the high drums and amped up guitar and Kurt Cobain, Mm -hmm. all three of which make it enjoyable experience and when you're in that mood i feel like nirvana is just a band you listen to so the thing that's interesting for me about this one is that i feel like for august you could call nirvana classic rock in a sense august how did you discover nirvana like how did they first come into your radar did your older brother introduce them to you (laughs) <laughs> oh, wait, you don't have an older brother. Unfortunately, the older brother figure in my life was my dad. He's introduced me <laughs> a lot of the music that I listen to currently. I've tried to develop my own taste and even give him some music. Uh-huh. But yeah. I think that Nirvana is just one of those bands where like, you listen to some types of rock. Like, I love the Beatles, the Who, all those classic rock bands. But Nirvana is just like something that i heard of, but never really yeah. decided to go into until recently and then realized, hey, this band's actually really good. Why don't I keep listening to them? And I discovered more and more about them. Yeah. So did your, did your dad introduce them to you or did like the streaming playlist introduce them to you on the basis of other music that you were listening to? It, it was more of like, you might also like, and then mm-hmm. they're one of the options mm-hmm. up there and you're just like, why not? Because some of those bands mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. out, some don't. Yeah. So this is going to be a tour style episode and August is going to be the tour guide. August, do you have like a organizing principle? I'm going to give a little run through of the history of the band and, and sprinkle in some of my opinion. Okay, cool. And we'll listen to some of that. All right. Sounds good. You're in. You're hired. <laughs> Kirk Cobain's a high schooler from the Seattle area as most brunch bands seem to originate from. And he and Nova Selich will meet on the Melvins, which were a band in that area at the time. Hmm. And they find out they have a lot in common. At least originally, Nova Selich wasn't really interested in forming a band with Cobain, but Cobain formed a band of his own. They wouldn't have find too much success. They would only record a demo tape. However, they would include two future Nirvana tracks, Downer and Spank Through, hmm. and we can listen to that, and that one is said to have brought Nova Selich back into being interested to be back with Cobain and try the band thing one more time. Yeah. Okay, what's the name of the song? Spank Through. So, Augs, is this one of the songs that brought Nova Selich back in after he heard it? Yeah, it's said to be the one that brought him in. Okay, cool. Hmm. Bill, do you know this song? Because I don't. I don't know. It sounds punky. I'm not sure it's grunge yet. It seems a little grungy, but it's kind of punky. 
this is why I said it's a combination of metal, punk, and rock. I feel like at the beginning, it's a little bit punk. Right. What's the other song? The other song is Downer. Do you guys like this? I'm not sure I do, but Augs, what do you think? Because this is sort of history. You don't have to love it. I mean, I think it's an interesting song to be brought back on, but... I can feel the angst. Any thoughts on this song, August? I'm going to pull a Bill Noto on you and ask you to tell me how you feel about it. Well, I think that it doesn't remind me of Nirvana, which is might, might be why I didn't make any album except for Incesticide. Right. Nirvana was one of the names that Cobain came up with for the, the band after he reflected his interest in Buddhist philosophy. Hmm. It is said that he would try to attempted to name the band Ted Ed Fred at one point, which I'm just glad <laughs> didn't happen because like how different would it have been if right. like this iconic songs are like <laughs> are played by a band called Ted Ed Fred. <laughs> well, what do you think they would have become? I mean, they may never have emerged at all if that was their name. Well, that's a debate that I think people in rock will have to debate for a long time coming. Would bands have been so successful if, they'd had, if their name was different? Right. And wasn't one of the earlier names Fecal Matter? That is the name of the demo tape band. Yeah. That was the demo tape band. That's a hard one for uh, record executives to get behind, I think. <laughs> right. Well, I think that if they had gone with Space Cake, they might have been more f- no doubt. successful. Or Early Man, they might have been more successful at that time. Early Man's right. a good name. I stand by it. It's a it. great name. I agree with that. I like that. Yeah. Early Man. <laughs> August, you probably don't know. That was one of my bands that I was in once upon a time. So well, just I, I give me a hard not time. That bad. I've heard worse band names based on the research I've done, but right. Well, fecal matter and Ted Ed Fred both are, not as good as worse. Man. Right. Yeah, you know what's interesting is like I feel like what we're kind of speaking to is about the whole punk sensibility versus pop sensibility, right? Like, right. Yeah, punk yeah. has like a whole disinterest in commercial success as part of its affect yeah, right? or a like rejection of it, you know? And yeah, it's more about, you know, anger at the world and, you know, dissatisfaction and angst, which I think is part yeah. of grunge, but grunge does have an element of, I don't know, a broader mainstream appeal too. Well, it's got this decidedly, we want to be alternative, like uh, almost, um, it's intentionally alternative, performed alternative. Punk or grunge? Grunge. You know, if, unless you're alternative, you're nowhere. And, and in fact, um, Nirvana sort of did that a lot. I hope I'm not stealing your thunder, but like they definitely didn't want to like go on and play their big hits sometimes and would play down their success quite a bit. What they'll do is like they'll go on to like SNL, MTV... And just play covers instead of their most popular hits, hmm. which some people oh, don't yeah. like. But for me, it's my fifth pick, which is The Man Who Sold the World, and that's on MTV Unplugged.
Bowie? That's a Bowie cover? Is that right? That's correct. That's good connective tissue. <laughs> We're going to come full circle here. I love it. <laughs> so, we have an ongoing debate, August, about um, covers. I don't know if it's a debate that we actually have, but it's one that I wish we had, which is, what is the proportion of covers that are better than the originals? That's going to be the quiz question for first for Bill and then for you, August. Portion of? This is the original Bowie version of that same song. August, what do you think is the proportion of covers that are better than the originals? Really depends on who the cover is. I laughed and shook his hand and made my way back home. But most of the time, covers aren't as good as the original. One song I like a lot better that's not even related to Nirvana, but the cover's better, is Wake Up Little Susie, performed originally by the Everly Brothers and then covered by Simon and Garfunkel, nice. which is a great song. I think I agree with that. Bill, what do you think? Give me a number. What's the ratio of covers to originals that are where the cover is better? Is this just opinion or is this a quiz? Is there like Waldron's? There's no, it's it's an opinion quiz, but I can still tell you if you're right or wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's like 5% of covers are actually better than the original. Like it's a low number. Well, I'm not going to shout out false because I think I agree that it is a low number and so single digits. I would put it under five uh, percent. Yeah, but. but you know what's interesting is I feel like the intentionality of a cover isn't 100 percent of the time intending to be better than the original, so much as like pay tribute to something or learn how to. Right. In this case, I would say I actually like the Nirvana version better. I would have to agree. That's why it's my fifth pick. Okay. There's more feeling in it. There's more, it's, it has more emotional impact for some reason. I don't know if it's just because it's less produced and it's live or why. So August, you were you had us at Bleach before uh, before we shuffled away into the MTV thing. So my fourth pick is from Bleach, released in 1989. It's about a girl. Huh, okay. Now we're into the the Nirvana that I like. Which is possibly pedestrian Nirvana. Yeah, this is their debut. 1989. So Nova Selich and Cobain have this idea for a band, but what they need now is a drummer. And after a series of about five drummers, they land on this guy named Chad Channing, who plays drums on all the songs on this album and plays bass in another band now, but he got a start here, and they kept changing drummers because some got arrested, some just weren't cutting it. They even had the drummer for the Melvins come in for a couple recording sessions. But luckily, as we all know, they found a better drummer who we'll talk about quite soon. Well, Bill, this is 1989, Nirvana was not yet on my radar because they weren't on the radio and I wasn't that cool. That's the reality. Like, I didn't discover them until, never mind, when they were on MTV and on the radio.
Well, I don't blame you for not hearing them. They were they sold 30,000 copies this album mm-hmm. and it's obviously the least popular. Were you were you aware of them at this point, Waldron, through your no. Berkeley circles or No, no, I was still remember this was the 80s, so I was rejecting any music at all still. I think that probably Nevermind, the album Nevermind, I know that I had that CD, and I don't know how I got to it. I think maybe I just heard some of those songs on the radio and thought, that's a goddamn good song, you know, and got the album. Yep. That makes me feel really good, because you and your ivory tower of music education discovered them at the same time I did basically through the same way I did which is the music industry publicity machine well I tell you what it takes a it takes a while to get yourself out of that what you imagine is an ivory tower I mean I took myself pretty goddamn seriously when I was at in music school and way too seriously and it really took me away from something as simple as a garage band mm-hmm. uh, you know grunge mm-hmm. band mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it took me a while to get back mm-hmm. I understand that. Augs, what do you have? What's next? So, obviously they weren't finding much success, but... So, they got rid of Chad Channing, which is a, which is a, one of the, a weird name for a drummer, but I feel like it's also a perfect name for a drummer at the same time. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> Chad. Yep. Okay. Obviously, their next album is when both you guys started to listen to them and how I connected with them, mm-hmm. and it's their most listened to it's never mind. Mm-hmm. So, my third pick will be coming from this album. It's In Bloom. Oh, this is such a good one. Got some tasty drums here for you, Bill. Totally. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting to me, possibly not very insightful to you, that maybe the change in drummer is the thing that just made the big difference. I'm sure that they had a different producer and matured a little bit as as musicians and distilled away the sort of punkiness and found the grunge. Having a better drum, I don't know about better drummer, but having Dave Grohl, one of the best drummers, probably didn't hurt. Again, hearkening back to all good drummers sing. <laughs> I mean, right. as far as like musical drummers, I don't think you can ask for a more musical drummer, maybe Ringo, but Dave Grohl is a very musical drummer. What would you say makes a musical drummer? Are you talking about like the that they are musicians and like songwriters, or are you talking about the tonality of the drumming? Has a, a whole a comprehension beyond the rhythmic aspects, including right. the harmony and the melody, and how the rhythm of the drums and the the tones of the toms, for lack of a better you know right. aspect of the drum set that can per- fit into that. Bill, someday I want you to tell me what it is drummers are listening to and for when they tune their drums with that key 
foremost, the drum head needs to be in tune with itself. With the drum or with the head? The drum head of a, of a given drum, whether it's a snare or a tom, needs to be in tune with itself. And what I mean is like, there are like, you know, six, eight, 12, some number of lugs around it. It's not like a guitar string where you just turn one thing. Right. You're turning these eight different pressure points and if you have one really tight and the other one's not tight, it just doesn't sound good when you hit it. So right. the head needs to be in tune with itself. And then the, the beater head and the reverberating head need to be somewhat in tune with each other. And then the toms need to be in tune, not like to necessarily to a pitch, although like probably serious drummers do that, especially if you have lots of toms. But you want like right. a, low one, a low one, a middle one, and a high one, right, for your toms. So with like sufficient separation between them and you probably try and go for like a third if you can I, I'll tell you that when I do it I try and make them as low as possible and still have a little bit of tone right okay if they're totally detuned they don't have any tone they just sound like you know hitting a cardboard box right yeah, well, but but we digress. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, okay. So, Augs, I know for a fact that you like this album, and I guess you've got probably more than just one song on it that you want to play. That's correct, yeah. Never mind, it's a great album, but... And this is obviously when they started to find success, and I think it really, it really connected with the people trying to find answers in their own day-to-day lives, and... Hmm. This category of music does a very good job, and since Nirvana is the face of this category of music, they specifically do a really good job about it. Right. So, what song can we play? So, my next pick is their most famous song. When you think Nirvana, you have to think Smells Like Teen Spirit. Okay. Totally. Another great drum track, too. Uh, yeah. There's so much energy that Grohl gives into it. Maybe it is Grohl that, like, puts it over the top. I think it's a very key element. Drums don't really get enough credit for what they contribute. Because, like, you see the difference between Chad Channing, no disrespect to him, and David Grohl. Maybe you guys are right in saying that if we push them over. I think it's also, like, the lyrics of this song. It really connects with the teens. Well, the thing with this and In Bloom is like, it's a swap between quiet and laid back, and those, there's high energy moments all throughout this album. Hmm. So that um, loud, quiet, loud thing. I want to just share that at my wedding, we had a live band that was called The Second Movement, which is kind of a funny name. And they played Smells Like Teen Spirit. And it was a headbanging moment, for sure. It was like after 
after the adults had left, and it was really fun. <laughs> Did Martha love it? Yeah. Cool. Martha loved it. Our, all of our friends loved it. It was great. So that could be a uh, family court of public opinion time then, right? Well, Is it a favorite in the note house? I mean, I think Amos likes it. I don't think Martha puts Nirvana on much, but Amos and I both enjoy it. I actually have some intel here from Amos himself. <laughs> as, as I get to my honorable mentions, I do have an answer to this question that is correct. But what do you think is Amos's favorite Nirvana song? Oh, oh my God, he quizzed you, dude. I love it. I th- I love this. It's I can't get away from the Faulkner quiz. But <laughs> I think the answer is Lithium. That's a really good song too. Am I wrong? Do you want to say false with authority? Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I have the vocal strength to do that. <laughs> but Dad, do but well, I'm also going to quiz you because I want to guess your um, opinion. Well, I'm going to play lithium real quick while we talk about it. I'm so happy because today from my friends are in my head. I'm so ugly. That's okay. All right, I think it's a trick question and that he doesn't have a favorite Nirvana song and and Bill is wrong that Bill that Amos likes Nirvana at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, both of you are incorrect. It's Heart-Shaped Box on the album In Utero, which is a very good song. Wow. And that'll... Let's play that one. Yeah, let's listen to that. Heart-Shaped Box. Well, let's go transition me to my background about In Utero. Not as successful as Nevermind, but still a great album nonetheless. And both this and Nevermind get all the famous grunge bands like quick chances, like Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Mudhoney come to mind right away. bands that I don't think would have had a chance out of that Seattle area if Nirvana don't release Nevermind hmm. and In Utero. Interesting. So you feel like um, Nevermind and In Utero yeah. and moreover Nirvana's success sort of enabled grunge as a genre and made room for the other grunge bands. Yeah. Good take. Well, if you look on Spotify, Heart Shaped Box is it's the third most played. 
Hmm. This doesn't feel like an Amos song to me. Your I'm, AI is not yet sufficiently trained on Amos taste, Waldron. That's You're gonna true, have to do man. a few more, a few more, a few more episodes. Hard to tell what <laughs> Amos's favorite Nirvana song might be from knowing a little bit of his favorite Taylor Swift songs, right? I think In Utero has a lot of good songs that I like, and I'll mention them as my honorable mentions. Penny Royalty, Dumb, and All Apologies as my three honorable mentions from that album. All Apologies is an amazing one. Let's listen to that one. Be my number one. If I didn't had to add another one, it'd have to be this. It's all slow and then fast. I feel like that's what makes Nirvana, Nirvana. Like they wouldn't be without their, them slowly picking up pace before bursting out in this amazing drum line and lyrics from Cobain and other stuff that makes them so iconic. All right. Oh, is this, so this is an honorable mention for you? Yeah, I definitely said that this and some of the other songs on In Utero have to be my honorable mentions. I love honorable mentions. Good job bringing some. <laughs> It's a, it's a way around. It's it's a way Why around choose? the six song limit. Why choose? Honorable <laughs> mentions are in quotes because they they definitely should be up there. I like the guitar in this thing. It's simple but not boring. It's like what? It's like one note of bass, like for the first like one third of the song, and it sounds just like every Cobain sounds very stereotypical in this song, but I still love it. Right on, cool. You don't have to explain it. I guess you do, because that's our podcast. <laughs> Or you could just ask somebody else to explain it. That's kind of what we do. So, I'm just going to get to my number one pick, if you don't mind. Whoa, straight into the number one pick. I know. After my honorable mentions, I just got to go right in. Unless you guys have something you want to talk about. I'm feeling like a little brain dead right now. What's the term we have for, like, most... Is it most iconic? Would you say that Smells Like Team Spirit is the most iconic? Like, it's the song... Everyone kind of identifies with Nirvana, I think right? It has to be. We all agree. Yeah. Okay, I think so too. Okay, well, what's your favorite one? I'm in. So, the number one pick for Nirvana, what I consider to be their very best, is "Come as You Are" on that same album. Never mind. That's a great song. That is correct, August. <laughs> well chosen. <laughs> A little bit of chorus, but not 80s style. Also, drums start on the ride cymbal. Okay. (laughs) I notice these things. I think the chorus is on the bass, not on the guitar, or both. I think it's on the bass. 
Alright, do you want to do Rolling Stone over under, you guys? Ooh. Oh no. Or is it too late for that? <laughs> I mean... Bill, you're gonna... You're gonna help, have to help me with this one. <laughs> I'll try. You guys can collaborate on it. So the question is this. In the top 500 Rolling Stone albums, does Nirvana have an album that's in the top 300? It's gotta be. Like, never mind so good if it's not, and that's just a highway robbery. Do they have one in the top 100? Yes. They've got it. Um, I would say that's false. I would say Nevermind is probably in the top, and I'm I'm just waiting for you to shout false at me. <laughs> the top fifty. Now, August, what do you think? Where Where do you think it should be in the top five hundred? I think that they should have in Euro and. Uh, never mind, in the top 100, maybe 150, definitely. I don't know about all three. As you saw, Bleach is very different from right. those two. Do you think it's in the top 10? Do you think it deserves to be in the top 10? I think it deserves to be, but I don't think it is. But it definitely should be. Nirvana, never mind, 1991, Geffen, number six in the Rolling Stone wow. top 500 albums of all time. That's interesting. I guess I'm false then. No, you were right. It was top six. You both did very well you were right. in my makeshift Rolling Stone over under. What's interesting to me is, if I remember, Kurt Cobain was on many covers of Rolling Stone, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I, I think he was. And I feel like that's part of the, the contradiction of the performative aspects of rejecting commercial interest. Right. Like you were kind of speaking to how grunge was acting like it wasn't interested in commercial success. I think punk was actually not interested and grunge performed the disinterest. That's 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 right. So August, I think that those are good picks and I learned something that I didn't know about uh, Nirvana, some things that I didn't know about Nirvana, and I learned a lot about you that I didn't already know, and for that I am very grateful, and I, want, I just want to thank you for, for doing this, for taking the time to do this. Yeah. You did a good job. I think it was a learning experience for all of us. It was, aw- <laughs> it was awesome, August. Thank you for joining us, and so you have to say it's decided. One baby two. Uh, I like the way we've been saying, so is it decided? And then you say, I think, I think it's, it's decided. decided. I think, I think, it, you think it's decided, Augs? I think it's decided, yeah. So, August, you have to repeat the proclamations. What's the best album by Nirvana? I think I have to go with Nevermind. Waldron, before we go too much further with the script, yeah. I would just like to take a minute for um, just a slight news and announcements section. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah. we now have 30 five star reviews which is about 100% more than we had last time we talked about it. So that's pretty exciting. Wow. And I want to read one because this one this one touches the heart, okay. right? I don't know this person. This person reached out and just wrote this unsolicited, So, th- which makes it all the more special. So this comes from Santosh7. And Santosh7 wrote, I'm a huge Morphine band. I think he meant fan. And have rarely had opportunities to share my love for the band with anyone. I discovered this podcast when... The surviving Morphine band members posted something about this on their Facebook page. 
that goes to the value synergistic social media action marketing team the first episode was just the hosts bill and waldron talking about the first two albums and trying to come up with their top three favorite songs you know it's not an easy task if you've listened to those albums but these guys made the discussions so much fun if you don't know morphine then go to the podcast website and listen to the curated playlist you'll thank them later I swear to God, I didn't write this. Then he writes, besides the morphine episodes, I listened to the one on War on Drugs. The songs they picked are some of my favorite War on Drugs songs. And this is the best part. Listening to these guys is like you talking to your friends. It's casual and unscripted, and I love that style. If you want to discover a new band or celebrate one that you love, then listen to this podcast. Thank you guys for what you do. Please keep the podcast coming. Wow. This is what puts wind in our sails. Santosh 7. Put that guy on the payroll, the marketing team payroll. Santosh 7, man. Santosh 7, thank you so much for your very kind and wonderful review. And thank you all the other people who have put in reviews. They really help us, and we appreciate it. It means a lot, and it helps. You are all very besties to us. You are our very besties. Okay, so get in touch, everyone. Um, you can follow their very best on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. You can email us at contact at theirverybest.com. And we have a website, www.theirverybest.com. Santosh was talking about the playlists that you get on the website, and I, I concur with his opinion about the playlist. It's a great place to go to hear the songs that we've outlined. It's a, it's a value-added service we're just so happy to provide. And then when you have received that service, then you go to the whatever platform you're on listening to the podcast, you leave a five-star only <laughs> review, and you say some wonderful things that are well-written, like Santosh... Santosh, Santosh, Santosh underscore seven. Yep. So we'll be doing more of these, so beware. So watch out. We'll be offering more unsolicited wrong opinions in the near future. I'm Bill. And I'm Waldron, and thanks for listening to their very best. And August, thank you for doing this. It was great. Thank you.